So we are just a few days from Tisha B'Av. Today is Thursday and Tisha B'Av is going to be Shabbat. We will not fast on Shabbat, but we will fast on Sunday. And that really that's one of the two fasts that begins on the night before. Yom Kippur and Tisha B'Av are the two fasts that um, are 24-hour fasts, 25-hour fasts. So what I pulled up over here for you is Chabad.org's Luach. Luach means calendar. And the Luach, Chabad Luach, tells you everything you need to know for every, every any particular day that has something unique about it. So let's see what it says for this Shabbat, which is the ninth of Menachem Av. The month is typically called Av, but it's actually Menachem Av. Menachem means comfort. Because it's a month where we need a lot of comfort. It's the month where we have the saddest day on our calendar. The day when the temple was destroyed. Tisha B'Av. Tisha means ninth. Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av. The day the temple, two temples were destroyed. So first it starts with Shabbat. This Shabbat is a special Shabbat. It's called Shabbat Chazon. And it's named after the Haftorah that we read this Shabbat. Which begins, Chazon Yeshayahu Ben Amotz. We're going to have the great honor of hearing um, our good friend Seth, our, Lev- our Levite, Seth Skutsky, who's going to be reading the Haftorah. It's, from, it's his Bar Mitzvah Parsha. And he's going to be reading the Haftorah for us. We're very excited. Uh, tested him. And he's really done a stellar job preparing for it. So we're excited to... Hear him do it live. He's also going to be giving a bar mitzvah speech, which is great for me because I'm off the hook. I don't have to give a speech this Shabbos. I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I'll give a speech to my kids at the Shabbos table. But I'll first start. We'll wish you a l'chaim. Thursday night, l'chaim. can't have wine during the nine days, but you could have other l'chaims. So yeah, he's going to be reading the Haftorah for us, the Haftorah of Chazon. What does Chazon mean? Chazon Yeshayahu ben Amotz means the vision of Isaiah. We have a wonderful teaching from Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Bardichev that on this day, God shows the third temple, the third Beit HaMikdash, which hasn't come down to earth yet, it hasn't been built yet. God shows it to every one of us from a distance. So, although we're in this kind of mournful period, but actually on the Shabbat, the Shabbats of the three weeks, three weeks of, 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 of sadness, of mourning over the destruction of the Temple and of Jerusalem and of Israel and our exile, we have these oases of time, namely that of Shabbat, which takes us above and beyond any type of mourning and any type of destruction and sadness. It takes us to the real the real world and a place of transcendence. And particularly on these Shabbats, which if it wasn't Shabbat, we would be in mourning. We'd have all the restrictions, no meat, no wine. But on Shabbat, even during the three weeks, even during the nine days, even on Tisha B'Av, which we said tomorrow, it's, this Shabbat is going to be Tisha B'Av. It's going to be the ninth of Av, it's, which is typically a fast day. 
and a sad day, we're going to eat meat, we're going to drink wine, and everything else that you would do on Shabbat. We don't make any distinction on the Shabbat. In fact, there's a custom among some uh, communities where the Haftorah, which is of course the part of the prophets that we read after the Torah reading each, each Shabbat, every week, during the morning prayer, um, they read a part of this Haftorah with a little bit of a lamentational tune. You know the tune for Eicha that we read on Tisha B'Av? Eicha yashvavadam it's a very mournful tune. And so there's a word, there's a verse in this week's Haftorah that has the word Eicha, Eicha Hoisa Lezaina. Isaiah says how, how Zion, how mournful the, the, um, this, the, the city of, of Jerusalem has become. And in some communities, they read it with this kind of mournful tune because it has that word Eicha in it. But that is not the Chabad custom because it's Shabbat. We don't want to bring any type of, of mourning into, into it. And so the, uh, the, the teaching of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak is very special because what it says is that not only this is every Shabbat a Shabbat of transcendence from exile and really a, a taste of the world to come of redemption, but on this Shabbat there's something additional in that we get this vision of the future of the Beit HaMikdash. Now, some people are consciously have this vision, but for, at least for me, and perhaps others, this is a subconscious vision that the soul is, is shown. So that's just about what the name of this Shabbat is. It's called Shabbat Chazon. Um, Torah study. Ooh. Until Chatzot... Until midday on Shabbat, Torah may be studied as usual. On Tisha B'Av, on the 9th of Av, we are restricted in what types of um, what type of, of, of Torah study we're allowed to do. Why? Because it's supposed to be a sad day, and Torah makes us happy. Teiras Hashem Timimo. Teiras Hashem Timimo. Meshivas nafesh. Kudi Hashem Yisharim. Misamche lev. God's laws make us happy. And so we are restricted on Tisha B'Av, on this day, from reading Torah in general. We're only allowed to study certain subjects, uh, which we'll see in a moment what those are, on Tisha B'Av. So that restriction begins at midday on Saturday. So you're allowed to study Torah, but as we see, it's going to be restricted. So that's good to know. Chitas, which is the daily study of Chumash, Psalms, and Tanya. That's a daily study. So since you won't be able to study it after midday, make sure you study it before midday. But if you didn't do so, you may study it after midday. Ah, geschmack. Now, there's a custom in Chabad. This was something that the Rebbe promoted, is that every day of the nine days, there should be a siyum. What is a siyum? Siyum means somebody has concluded an entire tractate of Talmud, and they read the last paragraph, and it's a celebration. So that should be done on Tisha B'Av, uh, 
as well, which is Shabbat. Now, what about Mincha? Mincha, we daven early. We pray Mincha early to give time to eat the Su'uda Hamafsekes before Shkia. Shkia is sunset, right? So you have to be done eating before sunset because the fast begins at sunset um, for, the next, for, for the next day for Sunday. And Su'uda Hamafsekes means the meal that inter... inter um, interposes it's the interposing meal between um the the meal that's right before the fast we have that before yom kippur you have a meal right before the fast begins this is also the meal right before the fast begins it divides between the day before and the fast so you want to make sure you've done mincha already so you can eat that meal just before shkia we don't say tzikascha because it's right before a day we don't say tachron ironically and, and counterintuitively we don't say tachron the penitential prayers on Tisha B'Av because it will be a holiday when Mashiach comes. We do not say Perkei Avot. Why? Because that's not one of the allowed portions of the Torah that we're allowed to learn after Chatzot, after midday, on Tisha B'Av, uh, in, leading into Tisha B'Av. Uh, question? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to understand technically. Uh, so, you know, lit the candles right before sunset. This is Friday you're talking about. Correct. Yeah. Well, you start the fast, right? So no, the, the, the fast is going to begin Saturday at sunset, not Friday at sunset. Got it. We don't fast on Saturday. Got it. Only Yom Kippur do we fast on Shabbos because that's not really a fast of, of, uh, of mourning. It's a fast of spirituality. Yeah. So that's a kind of uh, eating in and of itself. But Shabbat, we don't we don't fast on Shabbat. So here we, we're talking about Shkia sunset. We're talking about Saturday at sunset. Shabbat. Yeah. yeah. So towards evening, we eat this meal just before the end of, of um, just before sunset. And typically, when Tisha B'av is not on Shabbat, when Erev Tisha B'av is not on Shabbat, um, there's a restriction on what you could eat at this final meal before the fast begins. But since it's Shabbat, leading into Tisha B'av, there's no restrictions. You could eat um, whatever foods you want. It's also how you, you're allowed to eat. And typically, when it's not Shabbat, this final meal, we eat it uh, sitting low, like already we're in mourning, like on the floor or on a, on a small chair and so forth. Um, but since it's Shabbat, we do not do that. Um, similarly, when you have uh, three people studying, uh, uh, eating together, there's something called the zimun, which is a little introductory uh, back and forth before you begin the grace after meals, the benching. And typically on a regular year, you want to make sure that we don't have that because it's kind of celebratory. So everybody you know, eats by themselves in their own little corner. Even though if they're in the same room, they're not eating together and they don't have the zimun. Since it's Shabbat... We could have a zimun if you happen to have three people eating together. You do the zimun, and as mentioned, you've got to finish eating and drinking before sunset. Just a word about that. Um, so this period of s- between sunset and when the stars come out, it's about twenty minutes, half an hour, depending on the time of the year. Um, um, it's called bein hashmashot. 
Bein Hashemashot means twilight. So it's a time when we're not sure, has the next day begun? Is it already night and the next day has begun? Or does the night begin when the, when the stars come out and it's still the previous day? So a perfect example of that is how we treat Friday evening versus Saturday night, right? So we start Shabbat at sunset on Friday. Why? Because maybe already at sunset, it's already the next day, Shabbat. Shabbat has begun. But then at the other end, at the end of Shabbat, we don't end Shabbat at sunset. Why? Because maybe it's still Shabbat until the, the, until the, the stars come out. So that period is a period of doubt. So we're, we, are, we err on the side of caution both at the onset of Shabbat and at the end of Shabbat. And similarly here, we begin the fast at sunset because maybe it's already Tisha B'Av before the, the, the stars come out after sunset. That being said, that period, because it's a period of doubt, it has a little bit of, the laws are treated a little bit differently. So let's see what he says. Washing for pleasure is forbidden starting from sunset, but sitting on an upright chair and wearing leather shoes, you can do until the stars come out when Shabbos is over. So in a sense, it's still Shabbat at that time. We're still observing Shabbat, so you don't have to sit on a, on a low stool and you're still allowed to wear leather shoes until the stars come out, which is, which is almost when Shabbat is over. With Shabbat, we actually go a little bit beyond the stars coming out. Um, so, so again, we're, uh, for Tisha B'Av, we take off our leather shoes and we wear non-leather shoes. And we don't sit on an upright chair. But that only begins when the stars come out, not at sunset. Now, here's a little law about Shabbat, is that you're not supposed to do anything on Shabbat that is a preparation for Saturday night. It's a very beautiful law, which tells us when you're in Shabbat, just be in Shabbat, 100%. Don't think about what's happening later. In fact, you're not allowed to think about what's happening later. Just focus on being in Shabbat. And so they remind us here in the Luach not to start preparing your kinos or your non-leather footwear for Tisha B'Av until Shabbos is really over. I know that's hard for some people, um, especially as we get older. We like to be ahead of the game. You know, you start getting to the airport like the day before. You know, you check into the lounge and uh, just to make sure you don't miss the flight. So you don't want to do that with Shabbat. You want to be trust in God that you're gonna everything's going to work out and... When Shabbat is over, that's when you deal with what you need to do. Okay, so now you get to Saturday night. What do you do? Typically, how do we end Shabbat formally? There, there's a, we, we, we pray the evening prayer. And within the evening prayer on Saturday night, there's a short paragraph that we add that talks about the separation between Shabbat and Motzei Shabbat, and the, and the end of Shabbat. However... You, you don't have to do the Mari of the evening prayer to say to say the formula that, that formally ends Shabbat for you. I mean, no, Shabbat is really over when the, when the stars come out. Doesn't, you know, that, 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 uh, it, it doesn't depend on you. But there is something that you're supposed to say before you start acting in the non-Shabbat manner, before you start doing anything that you wouldn't be allowed to do on Shabbat. You have to say these magical words. Baruch HaMavdil Ben Kodesh Lechol. 
which is in short, blessed is the one who separates between the holy and the mundane. Baruch hamavdil bin Kodesh Lachol. So, like I said, typically you would say a longer version of that in the evening prayer. But let's say you're going to drive to Shul on Saturday night and you're going to pray the Mariv at Shul. But now you're in your car, so you don't want to go into your car before saying this formula. Baruch hamavdil bin Kodesh Lachol. The next thing he says is that no malacha may be performed until saying Baruch HaMavdil, this formula that I just mentioned, or the Atachanontano in the Mar of Prayer. What do you need to do now? you got to get those leather shoes off. No leather shoes for Tisha B'Av. And put on some non-leather footwear. However, since it's Motzei Shabbat, it's right after Shabbat Saturday night, you continue wearing your Shabbat clothing. That's another beautiful idea that Shabbat kind of extends into Saturday night and you're, you're supposed to we- continue wearing your Shabbat clothing on Saturday night. This was like a kind of a thing when we were when we were kids because, you know, sometimes there's like an event Saturday night. You're going out to the pizza shop, J2 in Manhattan, and, you know, you want to put on your jeans and your best uh, T-shirt. But it's Saturday night. You're supposed to supposed to be wearing Shabbos clothes. So some did like this and some did like that. But you're supposed to wear Shabbos clothes on Motzei Shabbat. This is, by the way, one of the reasons why it's a good idea to do the sanctification of the moon on, on Saturday night because you're anyways wearing nice, beautiful Shabbos clothing. And that is why it's a custom to do Saturday night. Okay, you didn't, you didn't realize how complicated this gets, huh? Before Mariv, the paroches is removed from the Aren Kodesh. Paroches is the curtain that you have hanging in front of the Ark called the parochet. It's supposed to be removed as a sign of mourning from the Ark. This happens on Saturday night. What do you do if your synagogue doesn't have a parochet? <laughs> Make sure they get one. So then you take it off on Tishabah. Okay. Make sure to say Atachonontano, the prayer for separating Shabbat and the weekday in Shmon Esrei, as you do every Saturday night in the evening prayer. After which, uh, we see there's a Kaddish that is said, and the Havdalah candle is lit, and we say that the, we, we're obviously not going to do the full Havdalah because we, we don't have a cup of wine. We can't drink wine. So we don't do the, the Havdalah until when? It's a great question. I'm going to jump ahead. We're going to recite it Sunday night. We're going to recite Havdalah without a candle and Basamim. So we can't do Havdalah on Saturday night as we typically do because we can't drink wine. But we do, we can do the tradition of saying the blessing over fire. They're, they're, they, we, ha- we Usually we sandwich all these things together. We make Havdalah, we smell the Basamim, the spices, and we say the blessing over the fire. But really they're independent things. The fire is an independent idea. It's, uh, you know, um, and, and therefore, we don't have to wait till Sunday night to do the Havdalah candle. We do that right after Mariv. We say the blessing over the Havdalah candle. Then we sit down on a low object and we recite the Eicha, which is the Book of Lamentations, 
by Jeremiah, I believe, five chapters. The one who is leading the Eicha raises his voice a bit higher with each passing chapter. So it's like a gradual hitting higher and higher. And when we get to the very last verse of Eicha, Hashiveinu Hashem Elecho Vinashuvo. God, re return us, bring us back, and we will return. Bring us back to you and we'll return. Renew our days like days of old. Congregation recites the last Pasuk aloud, followed by the leader. After Eicha, we recite Kinos. These are various lamentations. Then we go back to the Siddur, Va'ata Kadosh. We re recite the, the Kapili Kaddish, leaving out the Skabal. And we say Aleinu. And here's the awkward part, because Antisha Ba'av, you're not really supposed to greet each other. Hello, how are you? How's it going? What's news? Or as you would say on, on Motzei Shabbat, Agutevoch. Agutevoch means wishing somebody a good week, Shavua Tov in Yiddish. It says here, do not verbally wish others a Agutevoch. Wow, that's very precise. How else would you wish others a Agutevoch? <laughs> Mentally. So mentally, you could wish, maybe in sign language, but not verbally. It takes a lot of creativity to be both polite and friendly on Tisha B'Av and uh, stay within the laws. So I wish you good luck with that. Now, what are the things that we're not allowed to do on Tisha B'Av? For, of course, we can't eat, we can't drink, but we cannot apply, we cannot wash, you can't take a shower or go swimming take a bath you cannot apply lotion or cream or wear leather shoes or engage in intimate relations pregnant and nursing women typically are exempt from fasts but this fast being a very serious and and, and grave day even pregnant nursing women have to fast on tishabab if it will be difficult they should consult with a competent rov a rov is like a, a rabbi who who, who uh, responds to halachic questions. If you need to wash your hands, such as, for example, somebody went to the restroom, we don't wash our hands, typically wash our hands all the way up to the wrist. But on, um, on, on Tisha B'Av, like on Yom Kippur, we wash our hands until the knuckles. We don't greet each other on Tisha B'Av, as mentioned. If somebody greets you, return his greeting briefly and without fanfare. Until Chatzos, which is midday, not 12, but actually the middle of the day. So it's, I think it's around 1-ish. I'll have to check. We do not sit on a chair or bench or perform um, activities that require focus. Nor are we supposed to prepare for the post-Tisha meal. That all goes until midday and by implication, what that means is once midday has passed, you can sit on a normal chair at a normal height and you could start preparing for the post-Tishabav meal. Now, we mentioned earlier, any questions, by the way? No. Okay. If you have well, maybe a, yeah. one question. What is, is this a similar, how much similar is this one for a morning for somebody who... Well, it's a good, great question. Um, the sitting on the floor or, or close to the floor is, is you know, somebody who is sadly is sitting Shiva for, for a loved one. Um, the not wearing of leather shoes 
is similar. So a number of things are similar. The, the prohibition on Torah study is similar as well. Yeah. And not bathing is also... With, with, the, with, the, with the morning for a person, it's a little bit... You know, it would be seven days of not taking a shower. So there, there could be some room for leniency because that could get painful and uh, you know, it's not supposed to be suffering. Just not, not having fun. Not, enjo- not having enjoyment. But maybe maybe my question was on yeah. sitting low. That you would sit low the whole time. Not yeah, the, for the seven days of mourning for for an immediate family member, loyalenu. Yes, the the custom is to sit on the law is to sit on a low chair throughout those seven days. By the end, you go to a chiropractor and everything will be fine. I know. <laughs> Torah study. We do not study Torah on Tisha B'av without restriction because Torah gladdens the heart. That's from Psalms 19. Texts related to mourning and the destruction. So you're, the parts of Torah that you're allowed to study are things that are kind of sad. So about the mourning and about destruction of the temple. So there's Eicha, which is the book of Lamentations. There's the book of Job, certain parts of Jeremiah, the last chapter of the Mishnah Moed Katan. There's a Midrash on Eicha. There's a Gemara in Talmud in Tractate Gitin that describes what happened from 55b to 58a. You can watch videos about this on Chabad.org. And <clears throat> we mentioned earlier that you that the Rebbe encouraged the making of a Siyum on all of the nine days. Well, what about on Tishabav, can you make a siyum on Tishabav? You're not allowed to study Torah. Well, we just learned that you could study Torah, so you can make a siyum on Tractate Moikatan, which deals with mourning. And the Rebbe encouraged that to be done on Tishabav. Sunday, when you wake up in the morning, you're in a state of fasting. You've already started fasting on Saturday night. And one of the restrictions is washing. So when you wash your hands in the morning, again, as we do every morning, you would typically wash to the wrist. But since it is Tisha B'Av, you only wash until the knuckles. Now, the next thing that's going to be different because it's Tisha B'Av is in the daily morning blessings. In the morning blessings, we, uh, we thank God you know, that I could see. I thank God that I could stand, that I can walk. And then we talk about, you know, I, God, we talk about covering of the head and the belt. And then we say a, a, a blessing called that God provides all of my needs. In Hebrew, it's Shasali Kol Tsarki. Blessed is God who provides all my needs. And that is referring to shoes. And since we're not allowed to wear leather shoes on Tisha B'Av, we omit this blessing just as we do on Yom Kippur. Um, we also don't say the bracha on Tzitzit. Okay, now, what about the morning prayer? We will have the morning prayer at Chabad NP at 9 a.m. little plug for our minion. Hopefully you can come. So, first thing it says, it's customary to give extra charity on a fast day. So, so it's a customary to give charity every single day before, before the morning prayer and before the afternoon prayer. The amount is not as significant as the, as the actual giving consistently. Uh, every day, twice a day. So it could be a dime, it could be 18 cents, it could be a dollar, it could be $2, it could be $100. Whatever, every person, what they can afford, should give charity every single day. 
in addition to the big donations that you give to your synagogue, to the uh, Contemporary Museum of Art, and so forth, you should give uh, a something, give something every single day. And so on a fast day, it's customary to give a little extra. So if you usually give a dollar, give two dollars or $18 on a fast day, and some have the custom to give the amount of money they would have used on food on that day. Here's a big one. We do not wear the talis and the tefillin during the morning prayer of Tisha B'Av. We're going to wear it later during Mincha. It just feels weird. Your day It's a weekday, and you're davening shachras, and you've got no talis, and no tefillin. I mean, it's it's hard for people to remember it year to year because it's it's just so odd. Um, but that's what it is because these these things, the talis and the tefillin, these are like you know adornments. They're you know dressing up, and uh, on when a person is in mourning, they do not dress up. They don't wear the talis and the tefillin. We're on mourning on this day. So, you know, typically during Baruch Shamar, the prayer of Baruch Shamar, and during the Shema. We hold our tzitzis in our hand throughout that prayer. But since this is a day where we're not celebrating, we're wearing tzitzit under our clothing, but we're not celebrating tzitzit, we don't hold it during, hold these tzitzit during these prayers. We do. Um, the chazan, the cantor, the one leading the prayer, leaves out the blessing of kohanim that is typically said when the repetition of the amida. The chazan, the cantor, will will say, you know, uh, God bless you and keep you and so forth. That is omitted because it is a fast day. Because it is Tisha B'Av, I'm sorry. Because it's Tisha B'Av. Typically on a fast day, you do say it. Shmon Esri, Amida, is followed by a half Kaddish. And we read the Torah on Tisha B'Av. Assuming we have a minion. We read three aliyahs from, from Parsha Hanan. And then the third person who's called up will read the Haftorah from Jeremiah. We put the Torah back in the Ark. And then we recite Lamentations. Lamentations, a long book. And you're sitting again on the floor or close to the floor, not on a regular sized chair, as long as you're pretty close to the floor. Um, and after we finish the Kinnos, which takes quite a while, we say Ashrei Novalitzion. We leave out the verse, Vanizos Barisi. After then we say Kaddish Shalem. Um, and we say Aleinu, then each person recites Eicha in, as an in, individually, separately. Unlike Saturday night, we read it together as a congregation. On uh, the morning of Tisha B'Av, we just read it individually, separately. As mentioned earlier, once you hit midday, you may sit on a chair as usual. And that takes us through the morning and early noon of Tisha B'Av. Now we get to Mincha. We will have a service for Mincha at Chabad NP as well. At 7.15 p.m. if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe earlier. I have to check. Before Mincha, the parochis is returned to the Aron Kodesh. So even though Tisha B'Av is not over, you already put back the, the, the curtain on the Ark. This is why you need, you know, the professionals. That every shul has a professional who knows exactly what goes where and when. And uh, thank God we have a few at our show. I'm not one of them. I always forget Rabbi, when what comes I next. Ask real quick? Absolutely. Before, by the way, I'm in Maui. Oh wow! You look. But it's three, it's three hours. You look like the Messiah. Two hours. 
it's three hours I get. Uh, oh wow! Every day. I'm saving three hours on my couch at this time. Oh wow! I love it. Um. Uh, so can I infer then that uh, because we don't don towels and film on Tisha B'Av, the reason we I don't think of those as celebratory, joyous things. Those are, I mean, to fill in, it's a positive mitzvah. Why don't we, uh, is it normal for a fast day not to don talis and tefillin? Is it only on Tisha B'Av that we don't? It's not a Yosef. Only um, Tisha B'Av. Only Tisha B'Av. Why don't we? Right. And so so why, why don't we don talis and tefillin? Right. So on a typical fast day, it's, you know, it's not really a time of mourning. It's, you know, we're remembering a sad thing that happened, a tragedy that happened, and we want to get into a somber, a sober mood to, to repent and to prevent these types of things from happening again and, you know, bringing the redemption. Um, it's Tisha B'Av particularly where there is a sense of mourning, uh, you know, like, God forbid, somebody mourning a, a loved one. And the talis and the tefillin um, it's not so much celebratory, I may have used the wrong word, but it's described as, you know, kind of an adornment, as a, uh, you know, like wearing a crown, right? Um, the, the tefillin of the, uh, are like a crown. And that, you know, for, for it's, it's, we're supposed to be low-key, so to speak, on, on Tisha B'Av. That's the idea. When someone is sitting Shiva, do they not don tefillin in? for the first uh, seven days? Um, the first day, the first there's different customs, but yes, there is restrictions on putting on tefillin. And uh, I'm not sure about the talus, but certainly for regarding the tefillin, there are uh, restrictions and different, different customs about it. Chabad is, we try to get the tefillin back on as soon as possible. But there are different traditions. Yeah, great question. And thanks for the regards from Maui. I'm actually going to be heading there. My sister's having um, kind of a celebration for the, the mikvah that they built there and so forth in September. So Esti and I will be going there our first time. So let me know. We'll be there for a few hours. <laughs> we have to get back, but we tell us what we where we need to go, where we must go after the class. All right, let us keep going here. Now we're at Mincha time, and as you see, the morning starts to the morning starts to calm down after um, after midday. So we're putting the parochet back up. We we've now put on the the, the talis and the tefillin. We say the blessing, of course, on the tefillin. We say the three sections of the Shema while we're wearing the tefillin. We then say the parts of the prayer that we missed in the morning, which is the song of the day, Enkelokeinu, the Tehillim that we, the Psalms that we're supposed to say daily, and any other typical, any other um, you know studies that you usually do after the morning prayer. You can also do the daily Chumash, the daily Torah portion, the the, the daily Tanya can be done at this time. Um, as well as study of uh, about the Beit HaMikdash, of, about the, the future temple, which the Rebbe encouraged us to study during the nine days. However, Rambam, our favorite subject, you, gotta, you can't do until after Havdalah is recited 
after the fast is over, over. Then we daven mincha. This is also something a little strange because it's the only time we daven mincha. The pr- we pray the mincha, the afternoon prayer, while wearing tefillin and while wearing a talis. Um, the only other time we wear a talis for mincha is on Yom Kippur. And after Ashrei, before we get to the Amida, we again read from the Torah, like on a regular fast day, followed with the Haftorah as a regular fast day. And we have a, a, a special prayer in this Mincha called Nachem. Nachem means comfort us, O God. It's a nice-sized paragraph, which we add into the Amida on, of Mincha, and also the Anenu, which we say at every during every fast day. Anenu. Um, after Mincha, we remove Rash, the tefillin of Rashi, and those who don the Rabbeinu Tam tefillin, they don it after Mincha. That's why you got to make sure you finish Mincha on time, so you have time to put on the Rabbeinu Tam. Now, Sunday night, the fast is over. After Marev, you wash your hands three times, as in the morning without a bracha. And the reason for this is because you didn't, you hadn't washed up into your wrists, and so now you're getting it to do it in the uh, full-blown manner. And you think you're running to have your bagel with your locks. No, 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 no. Take it easy. Relax. Calm down. You're going to survive. If the moon is visible, go and do Kiddush Levana. Ah! Recite Kiddush Levana, which is the prayer of the sanctification of the moon. Um, however, before doing the, the recitation of the Kiddush Levana, you should wash your hands and your face, and you put on your shoes, if possible, your, your leather shoes. So once you've done Kiddush Lavana, you come and you do the Havdalah that you would have done Saturday night. But no candle, because you already did that Saturday night. And no Bissamim, because it's not Saturday night. It's proper to make a Siyum on Motzei Tisha B'Av. Now, you think you're done. I had these nine days, and now I can celebrate. Relax. There's still restrictions on meat and drinking wine on this night. Besides the wine of Abdallah, you could drink the wine of Abdallah, but you're not supposed to have any other wine or meat. You could have beer, and you could have fish. Um, however, you may wash clothing, take a haircut, and hear music on Sunday night. Now, what about Monday? <laughs> you're off the hook. None of the restrictions of the three weeks and nine days apply on Monday. And the reason they have to say that is because typically the day after Tisha B'Av till midday is still, is still uh, has some restrictions on it. But since this is not really the day of the Tisha B'Av Monday, it's two days after Tisha B'Av, because Tisha B'Av is Saturday, we don't have that restriction. Woo! There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. More than you wanted to know about Tisha B'Av. Any questions, comments? So I can't have a steak to break the fast. Nope. Salmon steak. Tuna steak. It was my plan. Okay. Okay, friends. We go, we went a little over time, but I want to um, move from the area of dry law to the area of Hasidus, and particularly the teachings of Hasidus on love for one's fellow. And the reason that's very appropriate in these days as I mentioned on Shabbat, is that the temple was destroyed, the Talmud tells us, because of unjustified uh, discord between between our people, people of, the people of our people. People weren't getting along. There's a lot of ego. 
floating around. And so the antidote to fixing the exile is increasing in our unity and our love for one, for our fellow. So we're going to read some quotes. I'll read two quotes. One is from the Baal Shem Tov. And one is from the Friedrich Rebbe, the Rebbe Rayatz, Rebbe Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak. First thing is from the Baal Shem Tov, he says as follows. We cannot estimate the immense power and effect and impact when there is love and friendship in the, in, amongst, amongst people, in, in, amongst the community. Here's what he says. Let's say there's somebody who, God forbid, is in a very difficult state. Let's say somebody is ill, God forbid. The Baal Shem Tov said that when real friends pray for that person, they awaken mercy, great mercy on high on their friend in this difficult time. They are able to rip up a heavenly decree that has been in that has been set for 70 years. <clears throat> they can transform a curse into a blessing and death to long life. It's powerful. Very powerful. But I would just say that, you know, it's not enough to say, oh, we wish this person to be well. Da, 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 da. It's got to come from a real, like, you got to really care. You really got to care about the other person. And if you come to God with that care, um, a, a group of friends come to God with that care, it has the capacity to change, to change uh, a curse into a blessing, death into life. And so... And so we have to develop. We have to develop. How do we develop that type of love and care for someone else? I mean, we're very good at caring a lot about ourselves. We're very committed to ourselves. Self-love is easy. How are we able to transcend that and have this, you know, care so much about another person to come to God and say, hey, God, please help this person. That takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of chassidus. That takes a lot of abrangings and a lot of study, but that's the goal. That's what we need. That's what we need to get to. Anyone want to comment on that? Or I'll go to the next quote. Okay, let's go to the next quote. Uh, and we'll, this will conclude. So this is from a letter from the Friedrich Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, the Rebbe's father-in-law, and from his book of letters called Igrot Kodesh, volume 3, page 269, says like this. Love for one's fellow is one of the first avodot, the first um, skills, spiritual skills of that that, uh, that the that the students of the Baal Shem Tov developed. Each one of the students of the Baal Shem Tov had to acquire a good friend. You couldn't be a loner, a introverted uh, hermit. And be a student of the Baal Shem Tov. You had to have a friend. It was critical to the path of the Baal Shem Tov. You had to exercise that capacity of the human heart. It says even the very simple Jews, the Baal Shem Tov, in other words, not just the, the, his close students who were studying mysticism all the time, but even the simple Jews who were, you know, on the market. They were farmers, they weren't studying mysticism, but
but the Balshemtov implanted within them this type of love, which expressed itself in the fact that the way they looked at another person was with a generous eye, the generous perspective, not with a critical perspective of another, but always trying to see things in a generous light, just like we see things in a generous light about ourselves. When we're in an argument, we see our side very well. So the students of the Baal Shem Tov, even the simple people who weren't the students, the Baal Shem Tov implanted with them a love for one's fellow. Because the reason that we look, you look favorably upon yourself in an argument is because you, you love yourself. Even if you have low self-esteem, you still love yourself. Maybe Bill can explain that. But um, how, do you, how do you look at another person favorably? Well, if you love them, if it's your child, they say, ah, how handsome does he look? No matter what crime he committed, look how handsome he is. Because when you love a person, you see the good. And so how can you develop the skill of seeing the good in your fellow is by developing a love for your fellow. As the Torah says, love your fellow as yourself. If you love your fellow as yourself, you're going you're gonna to interpret everything in a positive way. You're going to be become a defense attorney, not a prosecutor for your fellow. And with that, I open it up to questions comments and anything else you can think of bill can you explain how you can have why self-love is not a contradiction to low self-esteem well you're covering up really the i think the true nature of who we are and sometimes we take over this kind of playing god role and if we have anger towards things we've done rather than surrendering to our conscience so that we could be healed from that person turns it on themselves thinks they have to punish themselves like they're playing God. Wow. Turn to the ego. And once the person can realize they're doing it, stop judging themselves, then I think they start to see they can return to caring about and loving themselves in the right way. Oh, thank you. Beautiful. Beautiful. Stop playing God. Yourself. <laughs> That's fantastic. Be the judge and the, the right judge. <laughs> yeah, and and I I'll, I'll uh, you know we're in this kind of time of judgment you know with the temple being destroyed and so forth and we studied all about this morning that we're I hope that this class was a waste of time. Why? Because when Mashiach comes, there's not going to be any fasting. Tisha B'Av will be turned into a holiday. So I hope that this class was a waste of time because Mashiach will be here before Tisha B'Av and all the information that you got here will be a complete waste because we're not going to be fasting. We're not going to be sitting on a stool. We're going to be eating meat and drinking wine. You know, I... I, I, <laughs> I you know what? I'm going to close the, the, the uh, recording here. So we'll, we'll come back to that later.